Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? Good evening, I'm from Essex, in case you couldn't tell. My given name is Dickie, I come from Billericay, and I'm doing very well. Hello and welcome to Box 39 with me, Bill Lawrence. And this week, I'm out of the studio and away from Colm Radio Towers. Because this week, Box 39 is on a mission to save one of the oldest and most important towns in the whole of Essex. We are going to try to save Billericay. Yes, Billericay is under threat, in danger, yet by using the special and combined skills and talents of our Box 39 listeners, we hope we can save Billericay from disappearing, from closing, from coming to an end. Now, it won't be easy, it might be dangerous, and it will certainly involve a reasonably priced lunch. So, for those who may be unfamiliar with Billericay and its rather famous special beginnings, let me tell you the story. One and a half thousand years ago, when the Romans had left and their empire had crumbled. East Anglia was a land ravaged by conflict and disorder and mud. In Essex, the wars of relentless chaos gripped the landscape like a dead man's hand squeezing the teat of a sick chicken. Without proper rule and with constant feuding, the crops withered in the fields, men fought other men, and those other men in turn battled other men who had spent too long fighting men, and once more, almost inevitably, men waged their destruction upon those first men again. Amidst this confusion, against the prevailing winds that rattle through people's teeth like hardened giblets being cast upon the boots of angels, one man emerged from the tiny wooded hamlet in south-east Essex. He was William, twin of Richard, a huge unbent man with eyes that could skewer your soul, a heart filled with bubbling love foam and a smile as big as Braintree. This man soon embraced the loyalty of the thousands of peasants who lived in and around this new place of peace. His mission was simple, to end the destruction of man-on-man war and instead create a land of love and stability. And at the centre of this new realm, an Essex new town forged with William's healing magic. And it was named after William and its and his twin Richard. And in the slang ergo of the sixth century, it was simply called Bills and Riches, known to us by its modern anglicised title, Billericay. And on that day, that Billericay was born on Midsummer's evening in 623 AD. There were mighty celebrations, outpourings of happiness, fine wines and cheap beers, and some inevitable dad dancing. And William was crowned King of South East Essex in a ceremony that lasted a full week. And then at the end of that week, a crown made entirely for the occasion using the rarest South End gold, Brentwood silver and Dagenham tin was placed upon William's head. And in his usual charismatic manner, and to show his hatred of hats, William buried the crown in Little Norsey Woods, just by the Coracle Boating Lake. He declared that the buried crown's good magic would ensure the survival of Billericay as one of the happiest and best, most special places in the whole world. 
But, added William prophetically, should that crown be removed from there, then the fortunes of Billericay, Essex man and Essex woman, would be destroyed, eaten by the maggots of destiny, and nothing would be able to save Essex man and Essex woman from a doom like the doom of no other place in all of history. Well, it's a story we all know, isn't it? Or at least we think that we do. Those of us who went to a decent public school where a formal classical education created lifelong opportunity and advantage compared to time wasted on computer-aided technology or any understanding of science, well, they will recall what happened next. Those of you who spent formative childhood years in cobwebbed and degrading cheap educational hellholes run by local education authorities full of socialist perverts and greasy moustachioed women in dungarees, well, you listen up carefully. The rest of the story is coming after this piece of music. Doomsday Book was a record of the Great Survey of England completed in 1086 at the behest of William the Conqueror. He sent his agents to survey every shire in England to list the settlements and taxes owed to him. One of these agents was Guillaume de Riquet, who came over after the Norman invasion in 1066 and started work on the survey and collection of royal taxes. Brentwood, Herongate, Basildon, Langdon Hills, Ingatestone, Stock, Wickford, Chelmsford and many more. He did well. They all went into the Doomsday Book and the taxes they owed to King William were collected. However, Billericay never went into the book. Guillaume de Riquet skipped over the nondescript Essex borough and no one noticed it. It was never listed in the King's Great Survey and for 1,000 years paid no taxes to the Crown. Instead, they paid a heavily discounted rate directly to Guillaume de Riquet and his descendants. To this day, the people of the easily overlooked town of Billericay have a proud history of tax avoidance. This is Box 39, listened to by Australians all around the world. If you are in our wilderness and cannot find your kid, if it's not eaten by a crock, maybe the dingo This is Box 39, and I'm Bill Lawrence, and with my junior co-presenter Adrian Cohen, we're in the Cone Radio Presenter's sports car, travelling to South East Essex to the town of Billericay. With one ambition, our race against the disappearing sands of time, to battle time itself to save Billericay. 
So let me finish explaining why we are in such a hurry to get to Billericay. You will remember how Billericay was founded in 623 AD by the dominant and blessed warlord William and his twin brother Richard. That's exactly 1500 years ago. The great Billericay crown was buried, its charms enough to guarantee the success of the town against all future threats. Yet within just months, the least charismatic brother Richard have fallen out with William and the happy folk of Billericay. Whether it was jealousy or greed or just too many magic mushrooms eaten at nearby Stock Common that autumn, historians can't agree. What is known is that Richard dug up the great Billericay crown from Norsey Woods and rode along Billericay High Street wearing it with only a borrowed Celtic moustache from Prince Alphic of Stansted and a pair of expensive Spanish-heeled riding boots. Booed by locals who felt righteously confused, Richard fled northwards along what was to become known as the Great Medieval A12, and he entered the moist and misty lowlands of the Fens. He and the crown were never seen again. It was William who met with the elders of Billericay for an emergency session at the Dog and Gusset in the High Street that night. The next morning, with hangovers gently subsiding, the plan was announced to the anxious citizens of Billericay. William admitted that the dark but beautiful forces of the Crown were no longer under his control, and without those forces, Billericay would cease to exist. The Crown had to be brought back, but this seemed impossible. Few had ever dared to enter the Fens, even fewer had ever exited them. Instead, William put forward a daring plan for crown exit. Billericay could leave the Union with the crown and retake control of its own sovereignty. It would be an opportunity, not a threat, and new deals could be made with local warriors and tribes in its place. Such a crown exit plan would be known as Crexit. Those who wished to remain under the old ways of the Crown's authority muttered uncomfortably, but they were seen as weak and liberal-minded fools, and the leavers of Billericay won a closely-fought conversation with a closely-fought punch-up in the pub cart park. So Crexit began. Within just a few summers, the good folk of Billericay were struggling and missed that crown. And so William, with his wisdom worn on his sleeve like a cheap tattoo, offered a new oven-ready deal, a solution that he had heard about from his cousin Isaac the Awful, who lived in Norway. And it was brilliant. The Norway deal was for a temporary plinth to be erected at the end of the high street in place of the crown, which would give limited freedoms, wealth and security to all of Billericay until the crown could be returned. But this plinth's power was limited to just 1500 years. If, after that, the crown was not returned in that 1500 years, then Crexit would be Crexit, and Billericay would be no more. It would cease to exist. And listeners, this is where Box 39 comes into the story, because that 1500 years is about to end. Our mission in this show is to find the crown and return it to Billericay. We do know from scholars and historians that it is likely to have been broken into four pieces by the brother Richard and sold off to pay his debts. With your help and expertise and our nippy cold radio presenter sports car, we hope to find all those four parts and bring them back to Billericay in time. So first, we are off to Bristol to find the first part. We've been told that there is something very special in some allotments there. Let's go.
Sir Alan of Mill Meadows, Billericay born and bred, exploring the South Pacific, made landfall on Fiji in 1577, where he discovered a root crop with shrubbery called kava that thrives in loose, well-drained soils where plenty of air reaches the roots. Sir Alan brought 10 tons of the shrubs and roots back to Britain and sold the leaves to tea merchants as Fiji leaf as it was called. It competed with Indian tea unsuccessfully for a few years. Sir Alan brought the roots back to Billericay and taught locals to turn them into a kind of flower and then into a drink. Consumption of kava as a water-based suspension of kava root powder produces a state of intoxication, calmness, relaxation and well-being without diminishing cognitive performance. It would produce a euphoric, talkative state, followed by muscle relaxation at a feeling of being out of it. Carver has been eclipsed, but Billericay to this day is still a place famous for diverse ways of seeking intoxication. with you. I've resigned. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. You're listening to Box 39 with me, Bill Lawrence, and with Adrian Cohen. And today we are attempting to save Billericay by finding all the missing parts of the ancient and important Great Crown of Billericay lost 1,500 years ago. And we've come here to the Ashley Vale allotments in Bristol, where we have received excellent intel from listener Phil Cass that something resembling the back of a crown has been in this vibrant hillside allotment site for many, many years. I'm here at the Stony Lane entrance, and straight away there's a clear sense of something important and even historical. I'm walking down the hill, along the central path, down to the water trough and tap. Hello, uh, hello sir, hello, can I speak to you? I'm from the Box 39 show on Colm Radio, uh, that's 106.6 FM. Do, do you know anything about an old crown that we have been told is uh, on these allotments? Been around here for many, many years? Well, hello, yes, that's, that is very true, yes. So you've seen it, you've seen it, you know where it is? Well, of course I've seen it, yeah, it's down the path there. You keep going right down to the big apple tree where Bridget's allotment is. Bridget, Bridget, she'll tell you all about the crown. She's kept in a shed for years. She's always talking about the warrior and the crown. The warrior? What, what warrior? Who are you talking about? Well, Bridget, she swears that one day, oh, and this was years and years ago, mind, before she got all fat and ugly, she says that it was early one morning, no one else was on the allotment, and there was this bloke, huge he was, long hair, dressed like some sort of Viking warrior. And he was sitting down by the water trough, and he had this bit of crown. And then he handed it to her, and he smiled, and he sort of glowed, according to Bridget. And then he smiled again, and then they had sex in her shed. And, and she never saw him again after that, but she's kept his crown ever since and she's all polished it is she rubs it every, every day she does now she's just a crazy crazy old woman who grows some lovely courgettes and her black currant bushes well they're very special but don't expect to get much sense out of her mind she's, she's as crazy as a, as a vicar who's eating a magic mushroom sandwiches these days to be honest now uh, bridget bridget come over here this bloke's from the telly, apparently. Calls himself Bill from the programme called On The Box 93, or some such nonsense, anyway. Something to do with Essex. Anyway, he wants to see that crown that you have. Well, actually, I'd like to have it. I'll pay for it. 
And look, how about 50 quid and a signed photograph of me in my senior presenter's chair? Here, Bridget, he says he'll pay you 50 quid. Uh, no, no, but he won't go in your shed with you. No, no, just cash. Just cash. Oh, uh, hello, Bridget. Oh, uh, well, that's an interesting look you have. Well, I wasn't expecting to see those uh, this time of day. Goodness me. Anyway, look, Bridget, Bridget, I'm Bill Lawrence. Uh, can you tell me about the man that gave you this crown? What can you tell me about him? It's one of the best things I've ever seen. And it was a combination <laughs> of things. It was the main guy was like flicking his tongue out the whole time. Um, he had no top on and he had these like rubber trousers with spikes on. But he was so confident and he was so in the moment. I mean, how often do we do that? How mm. often do we truly live? How often do we see someone who is so utterly in the moment, not worried about a single thing? And it made me feel so happy to be alive. And such white teeth. It, it just made me feel happy to be alive well bridget um he does sound very big and shiny doesn't he bit like this crown i felt like he was showing us his soul look if you let me have this we may be able to save billericke I, I feel like he was showing us the deepest part of himself unashamedly like mm. he didn't care about anything he and 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 i and you could see that he was thinking this doesn't happen very often Look, here's £50. And a signed photo of me in Cone Radio Towers looking out over the full and fertile fields of North East Essex. Hey, look, take this, have this. Look, I've even put Mike Harwood's mobile number on the back. How does that sound to you? Have we got a deal? It's one of... It is genuinely one of the most joyous things I've ever, I've ever seen. Lovely. Great. Look, Bridget, a moustache. Thanks, uh, by the way, Bill, do you, do you want me to show you what's in my shed before you go? I'm just a simple man, but I know what pleasure is. Can get a bit lonely here in Ashley Vale. Roundheads were the supporters of the Parliament of England during the English Civil War in the mid-17th century. They fought against King Charles I of England and his supporters, known as the Cavaliers, who supported absolute monarchy and the divine right of kings. The goal of the Roundheads was to give Parliament supreme control over executive administration of the kingdom. This was when the artisans of Billericay, who had no dog in the fight, came to the fore and benefited hugely from the Civil War. They cornered the national market for military headwear and sold it to both sides. To the puritanical new model army founded by Oliver Cromwell, they sold lobster-tailed pot helmets with a movable three-barred visor. To the Cavaliers, they sold wide-brimmed hats made from felt and usually trimmed with an ostrich plume. Later, in the 19th century, Billericay also dominated the UK market for narrow-brimmed trilbies, and more recently, the town's fashion gurus have been behind the 21st century resurgence of beanie hipster hats.
You're listening to Box. Uh, what is it? Thirty-nine. Box thirty-nine. Hello, I'm Raymond uh, Raymond Keith Stools. I am the drummer with the Box Thirty-nine house band Ausgang Exit. Well, the percussionist, really. I'm more than just a drummer, and I've been with the band since those crazy days in the mid-1990s when me and Henry were we were pretty wild. We weren't just housegang exit in those days, more like housegang cocaine and chips in those days, if you get what I mean. Anyway, all of us in housegang exit are big fans of Bill Rickey, and we wish it all the best at this difficult time. So we've written this, this special piece of music to show our love and support for everyone in Bill Rickey, uh, except the barman with the beard of the sheep and toffee on Chapel Street, who, who let's face it, everyone knows is a complete <laughs> So this is Ausgang Exit with a specially written song, Driving Home to Billerickay with Fat Dave's mother from Mount Nessing on the B1104. to Box 39, the magazine of music, community, humour and chat, and it's coming live from the Cohen Radio Presenter Sports Car, with me, Bill Lawrence, and with Adrian Cohen. And today we're attempting to save Billericay by finding all the four missing parts of the ancient and important Great Crown of Billericay. So we've arrived here in Broadstairs in Kent, where Box 39 listener Debbie Wheeler has tipped us off about a bit of crown that's on display in the waiting room of her local vet surgery. So we're going to go and investigate. Now it's quite early and the vet surgery isn't open yet, but hopefully we can speak to the vet. Uh, I can hear some of the animals that are being looked after having their breakfast. Now, I'm aware that the vet here is Danish and she doesn't speak English. So I've got Google Translate switched onto my phone. So hopefully we should be able to understand what she says. Hello. Hello. Hello there. Hello. Uh, now, I'm Bill Lawrence. I'm from the award-winning show Box 39 from Colm Radio. Colm Radio, 106.6 FM. Uh northeast essex box box 39 yes hi mister hello now i wonder if we could see that bit of crown that you've got in your waiting room is is that possible yeah yes come in come in mind the dogs they are a bit playful because it's their breakfast time oh excellent thank you thank you uh, oh oh my goodness what's that uh, oh, that's definitely it. That's definitely part of the great Billericay crown. Now, now how, how did you get this? It was dug up in the back garden by one of our dogs a few years ago, and we thought it was pretty and it's something for our customers to look at whilst they wait for us to put their family pet to sleep. Well, it's, it's quite magnificent. Did you know that it's part of the great crown of Billericay? No, but then I've never been to Billericay. To be honest, I've never been to Essex. In Denmark, we hear stories about Essex, about Essex men and Essex girls, and it sounds a very strange place. I'm told it's full of unicorns and pirates and men with tattoos called Gary. Look, look, if I give you 50 pounds... Can, can I take it with me now? Nej, 50 pund er ikke nok. Jeg vil gerne have minst 100 pund for alt det besvær. No. Well, look, okay, look, if I make it 100 pounds... No, no, look, 150 in euros in your hand now. Okay, men fortæl det ikke til nogen af dem, der arbejder her, for de bliver meget sure. Yes. 
Well, thank you so much. It's very nice to have met you. And all your dogs. Yes, and that cat over there too. Yes. I never want to be a vet, to be honest. I always wanted to be an air traffic controller, but I never passed the exams. Well, bye-bye then. So farewell, min vidunderlige senior radiovært fra Langtvik. Bye-bye, sugar tits. Slang is a code of word construction that is especially prevalent among Cockneys in England. There is an historical misconception that it was first used in the early 19th century in the East End of London, hence the name Cockney Rhyming Slang. The truth of the matter is that there were rival, mutually unintelligible codes of rhyming slang in the 19th century in London and Essex, and although the Cockney code came out on top, the original and first code was Billericay rhyming slang. It was created by criminals and hoodlums from the town awaiting transportation to penal colonies in Australia for stealing apples. Examples include slit the face and throat for race against a goat, feeling the peters of earls for stealing a pensioner's pearls, gumming the family jewels for eating oat-based gruel, banging the upstanding bishop for suffering from fairly bad hiccups, and spray-painting the porcelain for throwing a ceramic-tipped javelin. It's no wonder it was eclipsed by the more famous Cockney Code from East London. Billericay's Pebble Dash by Ernest Mallory, 1946. A row of prim and pebble-dashed castles, semi-detached shells for wretched lives, neat lawns tended by obsequious vassals, Babies are spawned, and nests become hives. What transpires in these pious caves? Perverted pursuits hidden from view. Brutish tyrants cuff their wifely slaves. Lonely children their upbringings askew. And I return to my home to write new staunch verses that cast candid light into Billericay's corners, its snobs and gay vicars and promiscuous nurses, its uppity plumbers and its Marxist joiners. Wickedness thrives behind a sanctimonious wall, while here, in my solitude, I write, aghast at it all.
I'm Bill Lawrence, and I'm with Adrian Cohen. And today, we're attempting to save Billericay by finding all the missing parts of the ancient and important great crown of Billericay lost 1,500 years ago. We've found two parts, and we hopefully know where the third part is, because we've arrived here in York as we have received important information from listener Tim Nixon about another piece of the crown that he believes is here. There's a tiny structure here, built like a pulpit onto the outside of the nave of the 12th century church of all saints, and it's the home of a religious recluse, a refuge, the cell of a hermit, a solitary man who's lived the last 30 years of his life in that tiny room, 10 feet by 8. And it's here that brother Walter Winterbottom has lived since he arrived in the early 1990s, passing the years looking through a window overlooking the graveyard with no possessions save a few changes of simple clothes, a signed photograph of Barbara Windsor, and what looks very much like a piece of the Billericay crown around which he has arranged a few items to help him pass the time. His Bible a pack of playing cards, a pair of nail clippers, and a small transistor radio. Uh, hello, hello, uh, Brother Walter. Brother Walter, would you care to let me have that bit of old crown you've got there? You don't need it, surely. Oh, certainly not. Oh, no, I don't suppose I should. But uh, what if I gave you this, this toaster? This uh, toaster that does four slices of toast in one go. Well, I'm not that. I'm not so pious as all that. Uh, uh, yes, I'm uh, quite happy with that in the circumstances. Well, would you also like to swap the picture of Barbara Windsor? Look, I've got another picture here of Andy Murray, the 2012 Olympic tennis gold medal winner, that you could have instead. Yes, it's interesting. To me. Yes, I, I dare say I could. Why? Actually, could I just ask you, why do you have a picture of Barbara Windsor? I liked it, and uh, uh, perhaps I wasn't ambitious. Uh, uh, well, look, I'll tell you what, uh, Brother Walter, would you like to visit Billericay uh, to see the full crown if we can put it all together again? That would be great, wouldn't it? I prefer to stay here because I don't think I should be comfortable or interested elsewhere after all this time. Well, it's up to you, but uh, thank you, Brother Walter, and thank you very much for the crown. We wish you many, many more contented years here, and thank you for choosing Andy Murray. Well, I don't know how that I've chosen it, uh, really chosen it, but I've been sort of, uh, sort of uh, drafted into it. Bye. The Japanese army invaded Manchuria in China in September 1931 after the Mukden incident. 
The Japanese set off a bomb on a railway line they owned near the town of Mukden and blamed the Chinese before mounting a full invasion that led to the occupation of Manchuria, in which Japan established its puppet state of Manchukuo six months later. This caused consternation in Biliriki, back in Britain. In 1930, Mukden and Biliriki had become twin towns, and both had sent cultural delegations to visit each other in early 1931. When Japan invaded Manchuria later that year, to its horror, Biliriki Borough Council realized that a very poorly worded paragraph in the Twin Towns Charter meant that it was now obliged to send military assistance to Mukden. The Borough Council immediately mobilized a platoon of army cadets from Billericay Grammar School and put them on a train. When the Ministry of Defence got wind of this, the army cadets were intercepted at Harwich and disaster was averted. Mukden was finally liberated in 1945. Hello, I am Gus Slippers, and I joined Ausgang Exit during the first lockdown in 2020 for the COVID reunion tour of the Norfolk Golf Clubs. I play the bassoon, though in our next piece you'll hear me playing the French horn. Now we want to reach out to everyone in Billericay at this difficult time. With this, a specially composed piece called Billericay is more classy than Vicford. Though it is still not as nice as Sheffield or Padham's Green. Then two, three, four. This is Box 39, and、uh, I'm Bill Lawrence, and I'm with Adrian Cohen. And today we are attempting to save Billericay, and hopefully we are now going to find the fourth and final missing part of the ancient and important Great Crown of Billericay. Now we've arrived here in Basildon, just a couple of miles southeast from Billericay on the A176. And we're here because of a tip-off from listener Jason Collins, who thinks he knows where the fourth and final part of the Great Crown of Billericay can be found. Jason says that he's pretty sure that it's in Basildon Town Hall in St Martin's Square, in the debating chamber behind the councillors' lectern, where for many, many years it's just been gathering dust. Now I managed to book an appointment with Mayor Peterson. And Deputy Mayor Anderson to see if Jason's hunch is true. Let's go in. Ah,、uh, <coughs> hello, Mayor Peterson and、uh, Deputy Mayor Anderson. I'm Bill Lawrence, senior presenter for Box Thirty Nine on Colm Radio, Colm Radio One Hundred Six Point Six FM. Yes, Box Thirty Nine. 
yes, I'm a senior presenter. Bill, look, look, look. Anyway, we broadcast to Northeast Essex and to potentially 8 billion listeners worldwide. Now, I want that, that bit of crown that you've got there. I know Bill Ricky is your biggest rival, but without the complete crown, we can't save Bill Ricky. Well, I've heard that with the council boundary changes coming up, these are potential voters we're talking about. Look, look, Peterson Anson, how about 50 quid each? and a monthly supply of Lord David Price's exclusive Scottish salmon direct from Poland to the anonymous lock-up of your choice. How about that? No, Look, okay, okay. I'll throw in all-you-can-eat, full English breakfast with friend of Com Radio, Sue Pollard, at Dave's Burger Bar on the road past Stanway Golf Course. Look, can't say fairer than that. That's my last word. That's it. Come on. Great, great. Thank you so much. Oh, it's quite heavy, isn't it? Anyway, thank you, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Deputy Mayor. You couldn't have put it more clearly, more succinctly. Together, I think we have saved Billericke. Attention, please. There is no smoking allowed on the sales floor. For your convenience, smoking is permitted in the snack bar area only. Hey, I'm Alan Partridge. Love my listeners. Hate cancer. So listen up, guys. I'm not going to muck about. You know the drill. Check your balls. Check the inside of your bum. Message over. Back to the pod. Cheers. Walking after midnight out in the moonlight, just like we used to do. I'm always walking after midnight, searching for you. I walk for miles along the highway. Well, that's just my way. Billericay had its mods and rockers problems in the 1960s, like countless other Essex towns. One sociologist studied the conflict and developed the term moral panic. He examined UK media coverage of the mods and rockers riots in the early 1960s and conceded that mods and rockers had some fights, but argued that they were no different from the evening brawls that occurred between youths throughout the 1950s and early 1960s at seaside resorts and after football games. He argued that the UK media exaggerated it and turned the mod subculture into a scourge-like symbol of delinquent and deviant moral decline. However, the rockers of Billericay found themselves vanquished and driven away in 1964 when a group of the town's mods parked their scooters in Edale and walked the 268-mile Pennine Way from the Peak District to the Scottish borders in 14 days, decked out in suits, drainpipe trousers, white socks and green parkas, amid much media attention. It was a public relations triumph for mods everywhere and for Billericay especially. After midnight, out in the starlight, just hoping you may be somewhere a-walking. After midnight, searching for me. (laughs) 
I love to polish my box. My special box. My box 39. listening to Box 39's Saving Billericay show. And while we're waiting for Billericay's most popular blacksmith, Ivan Colbert, to hammer and weld the four parts of the great crown of Billericay back together, there's just time for some of your texts and emails that you've been sending in during the course of the show. So the first one is a text and this is from Pauline Bush from West Stanway and uh, she's written uh, your show about the Billericay crown reminded me of the TV series The Crown a drama in far too many parts about the British royal family throughout the 20th century and says Pauline it got me to thinking these days it's seen as important that gay actors play gay people black and brown and white actors play black and brown and white people and even Welsh actors have to be chosen to play Welsh people. So Pauline says, so surely only actors who are bona fide royalty with officially accredited royal blood should play the royal characters in The Crown. But who would play Prince Andrew? Maybe it's just easier to leave him out of the story. Well, thank you Pauline, that's a very interesting idea, one which is no doubt being debated uh, as we speak. So text two here, uh, this one uh, says, In the early 1980s, I used to drink in The Crown on Brillericay High Street, right by the library, though I think it's a tattoo shop now. Uh, there was a great crowd in there, loyal and true friends for life, uh, would never let each other down. I lost touch, it says, with them after I was put in the scrubs after the Midland Bank job in Western Road. I got a reduced sentence because I could identify most of the others involved, but they didn't keep in touch. So many great people went to that pub. Uh, it continues, there was Paul Norris. We did the bookies on Norsey Road. Easy job, never got even a sniff from the old Bill. And I believe that Paul Norris, he's the head teacher of Bill Ricky's grammar school these days. And it goes on, and Susie Parks, many will remember her at the Crown as she dealt some extremely excellent drugs there for several years. And uh, Susie, the same Susie, she has become Councillor Parks, of course, and these days she also runs a successful uh, family law and probate offices in Billericay, Wickford and Mount Nessing. Oh yes, it says, it ends, the crowd. Friends for life, they'll never let you down. And that's from... Uh, Stevie Glans, who's on B-Wing at Chelmsford Prison. And the final text we've got here is from Ron and Reggie of Brightlingsea. And they say, does anyone remember the half crown? A lovely big silver coin that was used when we had pounds, shillings and pence back in the 60s. Uh, Ron and Reggie say, our mum used to give us half a crown each as pocket money back then and it was the perfect size to shove down another kid's throat at school if they had offended us. Once they were choking and had said sorry and promised to always do what we said in future, we would do the Heimlich manoeuvre and get our half crown back. Uh, but if they didn't cough up, we knew we would get our money back a few days later when nature had taken its course. So it was the half crown that crowned us as kings of the playground, thanks to mum. What a lovely story from Ron and Reggie. So the crowds are here at Billericay Town Hall on the corner of the High Street and Chantry Way. Box 39 has handed over the four pieces of the great crown of Billericay and in just a moment when the blacksmith's final hammer blows have subsided the leader of the council councillor Marcus Tile will once more hold aloft that precious and beautiful crown in his rather small hands just like William the first leader of Billericay did 1500 years ago and the fate of Billericay will once more be sealed 
prosperity, fortune and happiness will flourish once more here in Billericay. Because thanks to Box 39 and to the genius of you, its listeners, we can now confirm and say that Billericay has been saved. So, from high up here, on the steps of Billericay Town Hall, looking out over the full and fertile lands of North, South and Central Billericay, Little Bursted, Craze Hill, Ramsden Heath and Ramsden Bellhouse, Stock and Margaretting, Lake Meadows, Naughty Woods, the Queen Elizabeth II playing fields and, of course, Mill Meadows. Barleylands Farm Park and the Councillor Tile Wellness, Recovery and Rehabilitation Clinic. It's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Had a love affair with Nina In the back of my Cortina A seasoned hyena Could not have been more obscene She took me to the cleaners And other misdemeanors But I got right up between her Ram and her Ibina I bought a lot of brandy When I was courting Sandy Took eight to make her randy And all I had was shandy Another thing with Sandy What often came in handy Was passing her a Mandy She did an off-go bandy You should never hold The jackpot is in the angle On a normal fruit machine You should never hold a candle If you don't know where it's been The jackpot is in the angle Bleeding Dicky. I'm Billericay Dicky. And I'm doing very well. Box 39 is a guppy production for Cohen Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 